You're listening to Diplomatic Dispatch, brought to you by Idea Farm Malaysia. Get updates on our upcoming episodes and programs via our website at www.ideafar.gov.my or follow us on our social media at Ideafar Malaysia. Good day to all listeners. Welcome to today's episode of Diplomatic Dispatch, Malaysia's role in the International Monitoring Team, in short, the IMT, in Mindanao. The IMT was launched in 2004 to oversee on-the-ground implementation of the ceasefire agreement between the government of the Philippines and the Moro Islamic Liberation Front, MILF. With its headquarters in Cotabato City, Mindanao, the IMT was joined by the Malaysian Bruneian and Indonesian Army. Civilian conflict resolution from the Prime Minister's Department and Visma Putra, as well as rehabilitation experts from Norway, Japan, and the European Union. Together with us today is none other than His Excellency, Ambassador Raja Saiful Rizwan, Raja Kamarudin, who was one of the pioneer Visma Putra officer deployed in the IMP for the peacekeeping operation in Mindanao. Welcome, Your Excellency, Ambassador Raja Saiful Rizwan, Raja Kamaruddin. Glad to have you here, Your Excellency. Thank you, Mr. Harvey. And if I can, I would like to take this opportunity to thank uh, Institute of Diplomacy and Foreign Relations, IDFR. Your Excellency, on what basis did the International Monitoring Team, the IMT, was founded? We have to go back to the history to understand the whole mechanism of uh, International Monitoring Team in Nanao, IMT. In 1996, the government of the Republic of the Philippines signed an agreement with the Moro National Liberation Front, or also known as MNNF, the first group that represent the Bangsa Moro struggle for their own autonomy uh, region. I think all of us know that the main figure of MNLF and the Bangsa Moro struggle was Noel Miswari. So 1996, when the agreement was signed, it uh, brought the formation of the Autonomous Region, known as Autonomous Region of Muslim Mindanao, ARMM. The process was negotiated by a few OIC countries like uh, Indonesia, uh, Saudi Arabia, Libya, and a few others. So the formation of ARMM is supposed to be the the objective of bringing peace to the southern Philippines, especially to the Mindanao Island. However, due to some challenges in the uh, administration of ARMM, there was dissatisfaction within the Bangsa Moro people that they believe MNLF had not represented the true struggle of the Bangsa Moro. At the same time, they also blame the Philippine governments Uh, for the government failure to fulfill their commitment in the 1996 peace agreement. So what happened is that a splinter group was formed and they called themselves MILF, Moro Islamic Liberation Front, uh, led by the late Salamat Hashim, uh, used to be one of the key people in MNLF. So now he led his own group. It started with an expression of uh, dissatisfaction, uh, political process, At the end, it led to uh, armed struggle. So it started from a small uh, conflict, you know, fighting among small groups, and it led into all-out war between this MILF group and the Philippine government. So the situation was really bad. 
for the Southern Philippine Island. So a new negotiation uh, was brought into place uh, by the Philippine government. And this time, the Philippine government requested Malaysia and the OIC to assist with the negotiation. So in 2001, uh, a new uh, agreement focused on the cessation of hostilities. Or it's not entirely a peace agreement yet. So the focus of this 2001 agreement was to stop the fighting and to allow a formal negotiation between MILF and the Philippine government to take place. So part of the cessation of hostility agreement is the formation of a monitoring team to monitor the peace process uh, signed in 2001. So this is how international monitoring team uh, was brought into existence. It is rather unique, uh, unique in the sense that it follows the UN peacekeeping model, uh, uh, an amalgamation of uh, various countries, friendly countries. So at the beginning, uh, Malaysia was the lead. Uh, we have uh, the Brunei military contingent. We have military personnel from Libya, and uh, we have civilians uh, from uh, Japan, represented by JICA. Japanese International Cooperation Agency, and from Malaysia. Uh, Malaysia, uh, the personnel was from Prime Minister Department, uh, MINDEF, and later on joined by Vishma Putra. So IMT purpose is not the peacekeeping. The job was to monitor the cessation hostilities. And, and there were lists of uh, responsibilities that IMT has to undertake. So we are not the first responder. Our job is to make sure that these two parties don't, don't, uh, didn't fight with each other. So we have a list of uh, programs like peace advocacy program, uh, medical assistance program. Uh, we still do, we still did this routine patrol to all the villages or, or in, in Tagalog, we call it barangays. Yeah? Um, we met the local people, we talked to them uh, if they need some assistance, medical, uh, no, minor medical uh, assistance, we will pro provide provided that to them. We met the MILF uh, leaders, the MILF ground leaders, talked to them about the importance of not fighting and also working closely with the Philippines uh, government, particularly the armed forces and the police to make them understand that the cessation of hostility is important. So meaning that rather than they just take action uh, at their own hand, uh, they have to allow the IMT and the peace panel to intervene and to act on behalf of them to solve whatever problem that may happen on the ground. Thank you, Ambassador. Uh, yes, quite fascinating. Uh, glad you point out that it was not a UN peacekeeping mission, but modeled after one. Uh, most people have that confusion thinking that it is actually something like a peacekeeping operation. <laughs> <laughs> a bit about yourself, uh, Your Excellency. How was your deployment like? I'm sure there's a lot to say. <laughs> well, uh, the first IMT, uh, we call it IMT-1, was deployed and put on the ground in 2005. Uh, it, for the IMT-1, it was really a struggle for all the team members. Uh, the reason was the situation was really hostile in 2005. And uh, be, being a pioneer uh, deployment, they have to uh, set the mechanism in place. Logistically, yes. Secondly, on the security-wise, 
not many people in that island knew what was IMT, uh, particularly the MILF part. You see, one thing about MILF, um, they're a strong organization, but they have a loose command. So you will be surprised when uh, these, uh, this brigade commander or in any part of, of the Mindanao Island may be operating autonomously. They, they receive orders from their, their own uh, central command, uh, but they, they also have this autonomy to operate by themselves. So IMT-1 faced this uh, challenge when they were deployed in 2005. So the second deployment uh, by IMT-2, 2006, uh, the situation was still hostile, but they, they continue what the IMT-1 has started, had started. Uh, IMT-3, which uh, I was the team member, was deployed in uh, 2007. So uh, I was supposed to be with the team at the beginning, but at that time I was still uh, at my, in Seoul for my first posting. So there was a delay for me to arrive we, uh, to join the team. I was only sent to Minanao in, in July, where the team was already in place for a few months earlier. The first impression was, well, it's not so bad. They have an airport. So, so any place that have an airport, it used to be, <laughs> used to be a civil, uh, and a civil, civil place, uh, civilized place. So we arrived at the headquarters. I was still with all my bags and uh, supposed to go to my quarters. And I heard this popping sound, pop, pop, pop. So I thought that somebody was playing a firecrackers or not in the, during daytime. And then uh, one of the military uh, officer uh, was standing in not far from the operation room. So he shouted, oh, hit the deck, hit the deck, he said. So everybody was on the ground, except me. I was still standing on the ground, he said. So I followed. What they, what they did. And then I realized that that popping sound was somebody, uh, or the one or two person was, were on motorbike, passing through the headquarters and shooting at us. The only thing that, uh, that stopped that bullet from reaching us was this high wall that surround, surrounded the, the headquarters. So it was a baptism of fire for me. So, <laughs> and then <laughs> I continued with the briefing and everything and I started to get used to to the team, to the job, uh, but uh, it was totally a new, new experience. Uh, became more interesting. It it opens my worldview uh, about the world, about the situation, particularly that that time the the uh, this terrorism thing was was really a big thing after the 9/11. So that is the earlier part <laughs> of, of the experience. Uh, so, Ambassador, uh, if you could just add a bit, uh, a, a lot of uh, people out there are not really aware that Ismail Putra is actually playing a vital part uh, in this uh, IMT. Uh, can you shed some light on the the, the responsibilities of Ismail Putra when, when you were there? What, what, how... The primary role of Ismail Putra officer uh, was to be together with the civilian part. Uh, our focus was on the social economic improvements. Uh, at the same time, we were also part of the uh, peace advocacy program. But I believe that when when I was there and the the role was continued by other uh, Wisma Putra officer in the letter assignment, the the 
the most important part that we played is that we bring in the, the element of diplomacy into the operations. Um, for the IMT-1, IMT-2, IMT-3 and 4, uh, they were deployed during a difficult time. The thing is that the operation in Mindanao uh, is, is a big operation. And uh, the only link between IMT and the outside world was with the peace panel. Uh, at the same time, uh, our embassy in Manila was also played an, an instrumental role in that operation. Uh, when I say our embassy in Manila, it involved everybody, everybody in, in that embassy, our ambassadors, as well as our, our defense attache, uh, because they, they were the one that really monitored the whole process for Malaysia. They will send assessment report back to Kuala Lumpur, Putrajaya especially, on whether we should be there or not, whether we have achieved the success of our operation or not, what are the challenges, what are the, the restrictions that were imposed on the IMT or Malaysian contingent by, by both parties. Thank you, Ambassador. One final question, Ambassador, before we, we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, the IMT officially left the Philippines last year uh, as the mandate is no longer renewed by the Philippine government. Mm -hmm. uh, might you share your thoughts, Ambassador, uh, on this issue uh, regarding the, the, this seizure of deployment? What do you think about this? Should it be continued in your opinion or should all this talk is a good way moving forward for future peace? Or if, if, if it's not, uh, might we have uh, a few a word from you on this matter, Ambassador. <laughs> yes. Well, everything that every journey has to have a stop somewhere. And it's not just a stop. It's a stop that constitutes the end of everything that should start a new beginning. So the peace process in the Southern Philippines, uh, the conflict between MILF and the Philippines government, which started uh, we've uh, uh, started in the early 2000. The journey of that peace process started in 2001 when they signed the cessation of hostilities agreement. And uh, with the deployment of IMT until last year, as I mentioned earlier, uh, constitute the important part of the peace process. We, we instill confidence of, of the peace process that it can really happen and people should uh, should give their trust for that peace process to really be effective for everyone. So IMT, as I said, was the glue that put that peace process on the ground and really spread that sentiment to be spread. And uh, you see the progressive part of that peace process from IMT 1 all the way until the last operation last year. And that progressive was really uh, uh, convincing. So when they signed the agreement in 2014, uh, some people think that INT should stop in 2015 because you already signed the peace agreement. But it was not supposed to happen that way because when you sign that comprehensive agreement in 2014, it enters the second phase of that whole process. So INT uh, operation was tailored uh, in different way after the signing of peace agreement. Uh, 
to allow that peace agreement to be put on the ground with the help of IMT. Similarly, what IMT had done when they signed the cessation of hostility, rather than focusing on hostilities, after 2014, IMT focus was to allow that comprehensive agreement to be implemented. So, as I said, it should be the end of that journey. So, last year was when the mandate was not renewed. That was the end of that IMT journey. And it shows that the Philippine government has uh, achieved a success in really mitigating that whole conflict. So, they allowed the, the, the conflict to end, the peace process to take over the conflict, and the, both parties, the MILF, they, call, they don't call MILF anymore, the Bangsa Moro Authority, and also the Philippine government can really work together as, as two entities uh, for the future of the Southern, uh, southern Philippine and the whole, whole Bangsa Moro uh, autonomy, autonomy area. So IMT should not be there anymore because if we were there, the foreign element would show that the Philippine government and the Bangsa Moro Authority uh, were not cap are not capable of really pursuing that confidence building measure post uh, agreement. So we have to leave. So now without the INT, it gives a trust to the Philippine government and the Bangsa Moro Development Authority, Bangsa Moro Authority to really pursue what they have started and really work together as one entity and to bring the permanent peace and stability to Mindanao. This is important because Mindanao is, is a, they have a lot of resources in Mindanao. Agriculture, the land, the land, uh, the lands are fertile. You, you can plant anything in Mindanao, which is agriculture is the, the main economic. And then uh, there are minerals ready to be extracted. And you imagine with all the stability and peace, all this extraction, economic, economic progress can really happen in Mindanao. And not just Mindanao, also for the Philippines. So without the IMT now, it gives confidence to the both Philippine government and the Bangsa Moro Authority to work together as one nation and to really pursue stability and peace. And this, this is also good for the entire ASEAN region. So now we, we managed to quell to put the end on one conflict area in, in, in ASEAN. And, uh, and I believe that with, with more stability that we can bring to the region, ASEAN can really prosper into, into one big economy power, powerhouse. So this is what we need to do. So IMT has done their job from 2005 until recently. And as I said, they did their job very well. So now we have to leave, leave it to the Philippines side to continue that, that legacy. Thank you, Ambassador. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, this has now, we have now come to the end of our episode today. And uh, sincerely from IDFR, we would like to thank His Excellency Ambassador Raja Saifu for being with us today and also enlightening us and sharing his knowledge uh, on the dealings of the IMT and his past experience when he was with the IMT at that time, being the pioneer batch also from Wisma Putra. Thank you, Ambassador. Thank you, Mr. Harvey.
tune in for more episodes of the IDFR podcast, Diplomatic Dispatch. Thank you for listening.